Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Chapter 2 of Carpenter's Geographical Reader. North America. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Betty B. Carpenter's Geographical Reader, North America, by Frank G. Carpenter. Chapter 2. In Our National Capital. It seems strange that our national capital should be so far away from the center of the United States. You would think it ought to be in the Mississippi Valley, about halfway between the Dominion of Canada and the Gulf of Mexico. It is on the Potomac River, about a hundred miles from its mouth, and only a short distance from the Atlantic coast. It is on the eastern side of the Appalachian Mountains, a long way from the Mississippi Valley, and thousands of miles from the lofty plateaus of the west. The inhabitants of Oregon california and washington have to travel almost three thousand miles if they would see the president and indeed most of our people are many hundreds of miles away from their capital now the capital of a country is where the chief officers of its government live and do business and many of the people who have business with the government must go to the capital if it were not for the railroads this for many of us would be quite inconvenient and were it not for the telegraph and telephone, it would be almost impossible to govern well such a large country from a capital so situated. But why was the capital located so far from the center of the United States? The story is connected with the growth of our country. When the Americans in the Revolutionary War forced England to allow them to govern themselves, there were but few people in our country and it was not thought that the united states would ever extend so far westward the most of our people then lived east of the appalachian mountains the lands to the westward were filled with wild indians and deer and bears roamed through the dense forests we did not then own any land beyond the mississippi river and the site of washington city was almost in the center of the inhabited country so when a location for the capital of the new government had to be chosen this was thought to be the best place congress was then sitting in philadelphia it was before the days of railroads and president washington came in a carriage to the village of georgetown which is now a part of the capital and arranged with the farmers to sell their lands to the government soon after this the work of laying out the city began 
but it was almost ten years before the white house was finished and a building put up on capitol hill in which congress could come together to make laws the first president who lived in washington was john adams he came alone to the capitol leaving his wife to follow him in doing so she lost her way in traveling through the woods from baltimore to washington and in one of her letters she says she rode for miles without seeing a human being at this time a large part of washington stood in the woods there were stumps in some of the chief streets and in wet weather pennsylvania avenue was almost a river of mud the congressmen and other officials did not like the new capital for a long time they nicknamed it by such titles as the wilderness city the city of miserable huts and the city of streets without houses it steadily grew however and it now contains more than a quarter of a million people and is said by travelers to be the finest capital city in the world the plan of washington is a beautiful one from the capitol building as a center the city is laid out in four great parts in each of which the streets cross one another at right angles making them look as if four checkerboards had been there joined together through the checkerboards running in all directions there are wide avenues and where these avenues cut through the streets there are circular and triangular parks the circles and triangles are filled with statues fountains flowers and trees and they form one of the chief beauties of the city why were these little parks so placed it was not so much for beauty as for defense the man who planned washington was a frenchman major pierre l'enfant who had left paris about the time of the french revolution when the mobs were destroying the government in laying out our capital he had the bloody scenes of paris in his mind and he planned a city which he thought could be easily defended and at the same time be beautiful each of the little parks controls several streets and a cannon placed in its center could be turned around and thus fire shot down a half dozen different streets we shall take bicycles for our tour through the city washington has more than two hundred miles of streets that are almost as smooth as a floor they are paved with gray asphalt and are lined with shade trees whose branches often meet overhead forming long arbors of maples and magnificent elms the city seems to be built in a forest with long lines of houses rising out of the trees along the streets back of the sidewalks are wide strips of green lawn which extend up to the walls of the houses we devote our first day to a run about the city the great government buildings are often far apart and it is a full mile from the white house to the capitol which is situated on a high hill to the eastward farther on we come to the national library building which is the most beautiful public building in the united states it covers nearly four acres of ground and its great golden dome as big as the largest circus tent can be seen shining in the sunlight for many miles about washington leaving the library we ride a mile farther to the navy yard on the eastern branch of the potomac we are allowed to pass in by the soldiers guarding the gate and we visit the foundries where the great guns for our battleships are made we next go to the arsenal to watch the parade of some of the companies of soldiers who are here to guard our capital city then we go back to the white house 
through the long park known as the mall which lies south of pennsylvania avenue this park is filled with beautiful trees under the branches of which we ride as we pass the red brick building of the national museum wheel by the great brownstone castle-like smithsonian institution and go out among the beautiful flower beds back of which stand the offices and greenhouses of the agricultural department a little farther on we leave the trees and enter a large green field one edge of which is washed by the waters of the potomac river and here we see the high monument built in memory of george washington the washington monument may be seen from any part of the city at a long distance it looks like a big piece of chalk with a well-sharpened point it seems to grow as we come toward it it gets bigger and bigger and as we walk up the little hill on the bank of the potomac where it stands and put our chins against its side and look up it appears to be a huge marble wall built right up into the sky the monument is made of hundreds of blocks of marble so closely joined together that you can hardly see where one stone fits into another it is fifty-five feet square at the base and slopes upward so gradually that if you could slice off the top where the shaft begins to slope to a point you could build there a house with four large rooms on each floor and the edges of the house would not be outside the monument the inside of this huge structure is hollow there is an elevator in it and as we ride to the top the man in charge tells us that the washington monument is the highest stone structure in the world as we stand again at the foot of this monument and look toward the north we face three of our chief government buildings there at the left is the huge granite structure occupied by the state war and navy departments at the right is the sombre gray treasury department where much of our national money is kept and in the center shines out the white house where the president lives we look at our watches however and find that it is too late to do more today it is almost four o'clock and the government offices are ready to close as we reach the treasury building a mass of men and women pours forth from each of the doors which face pennsylvania avenue at the same time the other departments of the government dismiss their employees and the streets are almost blocked with clerks on their way home from work we find that it takes a vast number of people to do the public business of the united states and we are told that more than twenty thousand persons are needed to keep the books and carry on the national business at washington End of chapter 2